0: what's up y'all it's another episode of the hated truth is louis blocker here
1: what's going on everybody this is randy from yeah, this
2: yeah. just, just stop, 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 stop stop and we're back to another episode of the hated truth a special guest with louis blocker and randy randy over here is a business owner designer of its knit uh, he's a knitter and a crocheter, huh?
3: And we also got Louis Blanca, fine
2: artist, painter, muralist extraordinaire. And we got a special episode for you guys today because we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, uh, genres in the business, and how life can be when you're on your own.
3: So, so what's up, guys? What, uh, who wants to start? Who's
2: so we'll interested? start it off with this. How, how about, about you, we do uh, this?
3: You want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Maybe... Uh,
1: Give us a little background on what you do, where you're from, get the viewers uh, in sync with you. For sure, for sure. So I guess I'll start. So my name is Randy. I'm the owner-designer of It's Knit at itsknit.life. I'm a Dominican knitter, crocheter. Uh, I pretty much make scarves, beanies, blankets, uh, sweaters, you name it. Got a ton of projects coming down and it's uh, pretty much what I'm doing. I'm a school counselor up in Passaic and I'm uh, originally from perth New Jersey. Wow! Which is now Central Jersey. Thank you to the governor for put us on on the putting us on the map.
0: okay it doesn't exist. Here it doesn't there exist. That's you a know, whole different
2: podcast right. episode. Let's, I'm not let's, let's leave that. <laughs> so, and, how would you say uh, your business started, and uh, how did you come up with that idea to actually do knitting? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah.
1: So I got uh, I got my spark for knitting and crocheting. My mom got me a tie from Marshalls, um, and it was like a clearance tie, but it was knitted. So in the back they had like the original price and it was like 77 bucks and i was like who would pay this much money for a knitted tie right so why do you
2: think it was in marshall's never mind nah it was a a brooks brothers tie it was it was a brooks brothers tie so (laughs) So, no i get it so
1: when was this actually this was uh going on about a year and a half ago two years wow yeah so you recently just i just started so i just registered the business about a year ago actually in october but the whole knitting came from i was like I could do this myself. This is easy. I'm sure this is something that you too could teach me. Turned out being the biggest fail and waste of it, three hours of my life. And then about a month later, I went in and did it again. And here we are. Oh,
2: wow. Cool. So YouTube doesn't teach you everything.
1: Is it, that what you're saying? It, it tried its best. I think I was just a bad learner in the beginning. I had Got all it. the wrong material. And then I went back and kind of went from where I was to like absolute beginner and then kind of took off. Just
3: so I don't forget this question. By material, did you mean you had cheap material or you had the incorrect material or i would say
1: yeah i would definitely say like incorrect so i was starting off with like very very thin yarn which is already tough for any advanced like knitter to kind of manipulate so not having those motor skills and having that yarn it was was a bit of a challenge so in the beginning i thought it was like the end all be all i wanted to replicate the tie so i was like this is what i need and end up being a complete fail
2: which is completely understandable. Whenever whenever someone starts, I mean, you, you expect to have its ups and downs. I'm, I mean, some people often say you have to fail a lot to end up succeeding, right? Wouldn't you agree, Louis Blanca? That's a wonderful quote, baby. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I wonder where you got it from. <laughs> from Louis Blacca. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Louis Blanca, if you don't mind, share your little story uh, of how you build this wonderful art empire.
0: What's up, guys? My name is
2: Louis Blanca. I am a fine artist,
0: aka a painter. Um, I've been an artist all my life. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was drawing, you know, painting. It wasn't until my first year of teaching, as, teach, uh, teaching a, a, as a high school art teacher that I didn't realize, or I did realize it was possible to become a full-time artist. I started, started selling work, um, and then five years into my career of, of teaching, I quit my job to pursue art full-time, and right now I sell paintings full-time. I paint murals around the world. Um, I create merchandise. I'm just a full-time creative, so anything creative and entrepreneurial, I do.
2: Love that, love that. We've seen some of your work. I've I've actually bought some of your work and uh, some of your merchandise, and it's uh, it's really good quality stuff. So, recommended to check it out and all that stuff. So, uh, my first question to both you guys, if you guys don't mind, is what was life starting out as an entrepreneur? Um, And I'll, I'll start off with you, Louis, when it comes to... The hardships, the the financial struggles, because now you're no longer dependent on a salary or mm. income from working for someone. You're working for yourself, so you have to bring in that income. Um, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, something that I knew was going to be challenging, but I
0: didn't think it was going to be this challenging. You know, people tell you entrepreneurship is hard, and you're going to have to save money. And it's going to be um, a struggle. But I think the biggest challenge for me so far has been the mental. Um, the mental game, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because as an entrepreneur, especially as an artist, because people don't realize that, or maybe some people do, art is not a necessity, you know what I'm saying? It's not something that everybody buys. People don't buy it regularly. So my sales, I could have a a great month this month, and next month I might not sell anything. So it's just those months that I have to get acclimated and comfortable being uncomfortable. Because, you know, there's, there's spells where I don't make any money, but I have to make sure I budget and I have to be prepared for when that next opportunity comes, take advantage of it. Um.
2: so there was something that that you posted on your Instagram that um that really resonated with me and um and it showed the hardship and the level of um of commitment you have to have in your vision to to continue to strive and push through it. Um there was a post that you had on IG that showed a receipt of your card getting declined mm. at the art supply store. And um it shows part of the hardships and the struggles of being a, a business owner and starting up when half the times, you know, if people aren't buying merchandise or aren't believing or aren't investing in it, then it's hard to even get by sometimes. And how do you overcome that? Or how did you strive and get to the point where you're at now? Because from from the views of everything with all your merchandise and all your products mm-hmm. it looks like you're doing really well Uh
0: i am doing well i'm not gonna front um i have everything i need i live a great life i'm doing what i love i don't have the amount of income that i was or that i expect to have but i do have everything i need and i want needless to say i do have times where i struggle and that post where i posted a receipt of my card getting the client was just something that i thought was necessary you know, I saw I see a lot of people front on the gram, and it's natural. You know, we don't wanna show everything the negative you don't show everybody the mm-hmm. negative parts of our life. Everybody wants to see the good things. But I thought it was it was necessary because I see a lot of people getting into entrepreneurship and they don't really understand that it really is challenging and difficult and you need to, to have pair pair of balls to do it. Um and that's not the first time my car's gotten declined. I've had months where I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do. I've been behind on rent and bills thousands of dollars and you know some it just tends to work out but again it's having that belief in yourself and having that strength to push forward and just figure things out um
3: that's great and my big, my biggest question is when you had a career in teaching what i wouldn't say like backbone but what did you have to make you take that step because i know a lot of us talk the big talk mm-hmm. when it comes to taking that step like leaving your comfort zone at a teaching gig, and then take this full-time and not know where it's going to take you? Like, what what drove you to take the actual step?
0: Um, well, I tell people, I get asked this question a lot, especially from artists, and I tell them, you know, if you feel like you can't breathe at this job or, you know, you feel like you're not doing deep down inside your heart, you don't feel like you're doing what you need to be doing or you do what you want to do, then it's time to leave. I, I, Personally, I felt like I couldn't breathe at work. Like I was, I had anxiety from just being there every day. And that's when I knew, I was like, yo, I have to get out. Um, but I already made the decision the first year of me teaching. I said, yo, this is not what I'm going to do. And I gave myself a seven-year plan. You know, I wasn't just going to quit. I knew I had to save up money. I had to put a strategy in place. I had a plan because uh, I had student debt. So the first year I said, you know what? I'm going to take the next seven years, teach, and at the same time, paint full time and see where this goes. And if by the seven year I don't see anything happening, Then I'll stay as a teacher, but I'm not going to sit back and just let this talent and this feeling that I have inside me, what I'm really supposed to be doing, go to waste. Mm -hmm. So I put this plan in place and I just worked at it every single day of every single year, that seven years. And that seven year plan was executed in five. Um, Uh So it happened a lot quicker than I thought it was going to happen. And, you know, it was, it got to the point where, again, I said, I couldn't breathe working. And that first year, I remember September, I was like, yo, if I get three or four things that I think are like signs from God or the universe, whatever it is, that give me those 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 little pushes to, to give me signs or just the things that tell me I'm going in the right direction and I should leave my job, I'm going to do it. Um, that's when I was featured in the book, I'm Gary vi I painted a mural in Brazil. Whoa, 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 whoa. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll, get, get, that. To that. we'll get to that. We'll get to uh, that. we get to that. I painted a mural in Brazil and I sold the piece for like $5,000. So that was the point where I was like, yo. This is, you know, this is, this is going the right direction. I think I have enough of a following, enough, uh, enough traction, enough of an established brand to actually leave my job and pursue this full time, full time. And it was a scary decision in my life. I took six months to, to actually come to the conclusion. Um, but again, it's, it's putting a plan in place. It's, um, and it's it's being able to identify that. It's just something that you need to do. You know, if you if you have any kind of doubt of whether or not you should do it, don't do it. Yep. I had no doubt whatsoever. Except from the first year that I stepped into that building, I said, "Yo, I'm not going to do this." Like I know what I want to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had no doubt. It was just a matter of time. So. Um,
2: that's yeah. amazing, and that's, that, awesome. that's great ambition and drive. Trust me, a lot of people say if you don't have the vision to or the guts to stick with it, then you probably shouldn't do it. So, there no, for you go. Sure. Kudos to you yeah. on that. Randy What's up? similar question going right back to you that business that you have um <clears throat> how did it get a start in the sense of uh financial capital um does it take a lot of money to start your own business or how would you go about starting your own business for people that want to start their own business
1: so for me I feel like I'm still learning and going through kind of those those growing pains and hearing Louis' story and you know everything he's been through is kind of been kind of like a guiding light in, in many aspects of how I'm going about my business. Um, so again, it kind of started with the idea of, Hey, let me pick this up as a hobby. And then I sold my first few pieces and I was like, all right, well maybe this can turn into something and kind of just snowballed into what it is now. So I kind of went and Googled everything um, from learning how to knit to kind of starting a business. And pretty much from there, it's kind of been like a learn as you go experience. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have no type of business background um no prior knowledge i have nobody in my family who currently owns a business so this has been probably one of the biggest risks that i've taken and i've taken a huge loss right with just material and time in general considering that every piece takes about an average about six seven hours um yeah so it's it's a lot of time it's a lot of you know it's a lot of energy that's put into every piece and sometimes you monetarily don't get the same return but I feel like as a growing brand, I feel like this is kind of where I establish my groundwork and, you know, my reputation and my name and definitely is where I'm doing most of my marketing and my, my networking, really. So yep. I'm not really looking at it from, you know, trying to build it from a financial standpoint at this point, because, again, this is just things like I'm really learning. Um, but in the most part, I'm just really trying to build my base right now. So my financial capital is coming off of a percentage of my check. Yeah. Um. and I'll just put it into my business account and you know whatever I get off of revenue from pieces that I sell then great that kind of just goes back and recycles itself into getting more material and more you know I got into doing uh like Instagram ads and stuff like yep. that so any little bit that I feel any investment nope. can go and maximize kind of like my reach and you know help me get better material because there's there's a different price point where you're looking at Walmart yarn compared yep. to like an indie dyer from like Vermont yarn or like you're looking at the cashmere of the world. And I'm sure like in the paint industry and in the art industry it's kind of the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. you kinda of get what you pay for. Um so I'm kinda of still learning how to navigate those different avenues. Um and I've had a lot of, you know, really, really cool mm-hmm. people to guide me throughout the way. But, you know, we're still kind of just learning though. So I'm excited. And,
0: and for the but viewers. Let me go. let me touch on something that Randy said, which I think is very important that people should know is we both had, or you still have, but I had a full-time job while mm. still pursuing entrepreneurship. And I think that's very important because a lot of people shit nowadays on having a job. But the best thing you could do is have a full-time job while at the same time have your side hustle. Because your full-time job is going to fund mm. your side hustle. Like you said, the first few years of your business, you're going to take a loss, big loss. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And the first few years that I started, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm prepared to do this for the next five years and not sell one painting. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. just to help build my brand, execute, and just see where this can go. And what helped me get to that point was having a full-time job and using that, that money to fund the losses that I was taking in my business. Um, but, yeah, I think it's that, that's important for people to know. So to
3: continue, to let the viewers a little insight, how do you knit? And
1: is it a machine? Do you use no. your hands? Do All you right. use a little mixture of both? Gotcha. Uh, so there are both options, right? You could do either like a, a what's called a loom, what's called like a knitting machine. All of my pieces are made by hand. So I do stitch by stitch. There's pieces that are ups of about maybe five, six, 7,000 stitches, one by one. Um, but they're all, all the pieces I've made so far are all by hand. Um, you know, I go pick out the yarn myself. I got the materials myself. The, from start to finish, it's pretty much with my hands.
2: Now, here's the question that comes from that, because um, I know Louis Blacker believes in this. And um, and I got to ask you is um it's about thinking big, right? It's like you you have to think mm-hmm. big and on a larger scale. So how do you feel when your business or the demand for these these scars or, or beanies um, gets larger than your ability to make them by hand? what what's the what's the action plan on that and i guess i'm kind of going into the business plan of it yeah. but uh these are things i'm sure as a business owner you have to kind of prepare for you have to think five ten years into right. the future and prepare yourself for these things because these are the challenges that are going to come up
1: right so and you know just going from that it's like considering how long each piece takes if it gets to that point where i'm back ordered 50 plus pieces it's like how do you take the time out while juggling everything else in life to Mm -hmm. fulfill that and making sure that you get your product out in a reasonable time um but although that kind of i see it as a as a negative and i would want to push product as much as i can um i think that kind of adds to like the the exclusivity of what my product is um because i'm i'm my only person who's who's really making it um like i said the entire process is is pretty much dictated by how i feel um some people even give me the liberty of just Picking the actual pattern of the design, so it take you know it gives me a hundred percent of the responsibility of that piece. So um, right now, I guess I would I would still want to maintain kind of like that identity with each piece uh, because I don't feel like none of my pieces are the same. But if it comes to that kind of large scale thing where the demand is you know astronomical, then yeah, I would have to look. I don't know, maybe go
2: to retirement homes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, <laughs> get grandmas <laughs> to start, start helping you. Guys. <laughs> yeah, so get the whole yeah. fraternity help. <laughs> well yeah, that's
1: true too. I mean and like as <laughs> do you far do you as a service <laughs> event. I mean there's I was I was looking at like knit and sip classes because painting sip move Yo, yeah. up. You know, oh, so there there's there's ways of doing it. You know, own beanie? Create your own beanie, build your own beanie. You know, yeah. so those, well those, they, you
2: would have to cut the time down. Try to see yeah, if they yeah, can yeah. make that a lot quicker. Then, yeah. right? If I don't think they're simple, gonna. Maybe they'll be gone if they got to do six hours of sipping and uh, knitting. No, yeah, that'd be a little expensive. <laughs> but I, have to that too. <laughs> I figure you out something. You,
0: you might be wrong. There is a niche for six-hour classes. Really? I mean, I'm. I'm. Louis's the only one. Yeah, that's why. Right. No, <laughs> no, I'm He's kidding. the only guy that oh, can actually me. pull that. Yeah.
1: Louis and I have had have had talks on. I'm thinking about collabs and about stuff. Teaching a six hour class, six hour a workshop. Oh class.
2: yeah, full workshop. Yeah, that's like, okay.
1: That's like a three credit course right there. Yeah,
2: well, people right. pay. So yeah, people do it. And that's what that's how you want to challenge yourself, and yeah. that's how you want to expand your brand and that's continue to grow. Yeah. yeah, thinking big. We're going thinking back always big. to thinking yeah. big. Yeah. yeah. So,
3: Louis, what's up? I understand that this might not be have this might not have been your first business venture mm-hmm. am I am I correct correct okay <laughs> now speak upon that and tell me the, what what did you learn from that that you brought over to your business as far as being a painter
0: uh so my first business was actually I owned two ice cream trucks what? me and my best friend and his brother.
2: <laughs> so, uh,
3: we so be specific, right? ice cream trucks are ones that, in the summer, go to the parks? Italian ice trucks, a- Italian ices. okay.
2: Tell me about the ice cream wars.
0: Yo, there's ice cream <laughs> I wars. know there is! Yo, yo ice cream <laughs> wars
2: <laughs> are fucking serious, bro. Yeah, don't worry about that, go back to the topic. <laughs> what so, I'm my we're employees <laughs> they almost got into
0: a fight with some dude. Yo, that was crazy. We'll um, get there, we'll get there. But anyway, yeah, so me my best friend and his brother were in college. And we used to work for some dude, you know, his ice cream truck. So we used to drive them. The dude didn't want to run the ice cream truck part of the business. He manufactured the ice cream for like half of North Jersey. Uh, okay. So he had the truck business. He didn't want to do it anymore. So he offered to sell us the trucks for like $6,000. So we thought it was a good idea because we already knew the routes. Low, mm-hmm. low capital, low startup. So we just borrowed like three grand. We came up with the other three and we bought the two trucks. So from April to about September, October, we drove the trucks around Union County and let me tell y'all, ice cream truck business is the most underrated business there is. We made some cash in that yeah. business. It is very lucrative, and I'll tell you guys why. Because ice cream is one of those things where whatever you don't use, you just put back in the freezer and you mm-hmm. use the next day. Um, that's number one. Number two is very cheap. For a like 12-gallon tub of Italian ice, it was like $15. Out of that tub, you get 100 cups. 100 cups at a dollar twenty five to $2 a pop. Do the math. You're banking some money.
2: $3 in Patterson. Right. Yeah. $3? $3. <laughs> yeah, on the corners?
3: Yeah. Those, those old ladies, you making so, money.
2: Um,
0: so, yeah, but that was probably the most important uh, part of my life so far, running that business, because I learned what it was like. I got a taste of entrepreneurship. I got a taste of putting in 19 hours of work, and all those 19 hours are going back into my bank account. Mm-hmm. And that really inspired me to take my art and turn it into an actual business, because I was so fulfilled that at the end of the day, I never had a job where I knew that I was the owner and things were coming back to me. So, you know, those, those trials and those tribulations of running that truck business, which was also difficult because, you know, the trucks break down. You have to worry about employees driving, insurance. One of them got into an accident one time but <clears> it was just a big headache. But, you know, you learn a lot from it and it, it really translated a lot into my current business that I have now. They're different, but you know I still had to manage people, I had to run the business and insurance and paperwork and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, ice cream wars is
2: fucking real. <laughs> ice cream boys are real. Yo, <laughs> I know that for a fact. have <an> ice cream more. <laughs> uh, no, you episode. can't. You can't. You can't step on other people's yeah, routes, man. Toys, bro. You, it's like route. you got your routes. There's
0: gang shit out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you
0: can't overcross routes. They'll start bumping your truck. They'll like nah. break your windows. Yeah. yeah. Ice cream truck boys. Because if you get to that we had a we had a spot at a a school right in scotch plains at three o'clock that spot bought us like four to five hundred dollars per day and if you weren't there by three like 250 and somebody else got there first you're losing out on like four or five hundred dollars all the kids would already know to come and line up at that block to get your ice cream so if you weren't there you're done it's the behind the scenes of the uh, ice
1: cream business
3: nobody's shady
0: shit (laughs) yeah Yeah, man and which not.
3: which song did you have? You had like, the regular one, or did you have the one that I like? That be like, "Hello." No, nah, we have no, one. <laughs> no? no. I really like that we one. We have the
0: basic. one. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: basic at <have> the Jersey <laughs> Club remix. No,
3: I <laughs> wanted
0: some crazy shit, bro.
3: But... So, let's bring this full circle. Um, not saying that uh, that what you guys do is in a, a manly field, but times have changed. But that, you know, we're in 2019. <laughs> but you know, typically you wouldn't see a, a male going for knitting or for painting or, you know, those type of things. What 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 do you think? Do you think you guys are making a breakthrough
1: by, by being, like, males in, in this field? Or what do you... Yeah, for sure. I mean... What do you think? I mean, historically, like, knitting started with men during the wars that had to do, like, socks for while they were away. Um But present day is definitely a female kind of dominated industry. So, yeah, you have... Not only males doing it, but the fact that you have Latino minority males, that's something that I guess just hasn't been as mainstream as what the typical person thinks of of a knitter. Like for me, the first thing that comes up to mind with a knitter or crocheter is a rocking chair, someone in their 60s, 70s. My grandma. Female, right. Uh, an, an <laughs> Retirement home. Hey, home.
3: There, <laughs> home. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah, to my room. Big kind
1: of No kidding. Um, but yeah, so definitely, I feel like this is kind of a new genre. When it comes to that industry, and you know, one of the big help for me was uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Louis Louis Boria. He goes by Brooklyn Boy Knits. He ended up going viral uh, about a year and a half ago. He was seen on the train knitting, so in the subway train in Manhattan. Um, Frenchie Davis was a former contestant over in American Idol. She just took a picture of him. He was about his day. He didn't know who she was, so she posted this. And pretty much next day, he's like, yo, I woke up to like 3,000 followers. I thought it was, you know, something happened. I thought it was a glitch. I thought it was a prank. Um, But he's really been kind of like the voice and the breakthrough for what is Latino, the Latino face in the knitting community. So, um, you know, I'm kind of excited, especially, you know, to be taken under his wing and kind of follow where where he's been going. He's been a super big inspiration for me. And actually, we're going to be heading to uh, uh, Asbury Park one of these days for another podcast live special guest kind of thing um yeah, again mostly female dominated from guests to participants but you know it, that i think that's what kind of makes it exciting too is kind of makes
2: you stand out yeah you well. know
1: you're navigating through uncharted territories as a as a male in general you know there's a lot for you to learn
0: you yeah know? and
2: that's a well something that you uh that you mentioned right now was i um, very important that i wanted to point out is the fact that you you said people to look up to to give you guidance and the importance of a I think a mentor in in situations that you're in, right, you always try to aspire to be people that are progressive in the right direction where you want to go, and things like that. so my question then becomes um, how important is a mentor in your field and and how do you guys feel about mentors? Do you guys have one? Do you guys say people should look for one or anything like that and i'll I'll go to Louis Blacka first if you don 't mind
0: um personally, I think it's It's important to have a mentor, but it's not necessary. And I was talking to one of our frat brothers about this a few months ago. I feel like I've always looked for a mentor from the time that I started painting up until now. And I haven't found that one up until recently. But when I found them, I really didn't need them. Like, now I know what I'm doing. Yep. But prior to that, I had nobody, like, to to look to or turn to for help. And sometimes, you know, you're just a sacrificial lamb. Like, sometimes mm. you are the person that eventually becomes the mentor. Yep. And for me, I, I've realized that over the past few years. It's like, you know, I've always been trying to find somebody to help me. And it's like, nah, God said, you know what? You, you got to figure this shit out on your own. Yep. And you're going to be the one helping people. Some Jedi shit. And, yep. yeah, yo, dead I have people asking me all the time, and I'm glad to give them my help. I don't give I don't, I'm not one of those people. I believe there's abundance for everybody. Mm. You want the answers? I'll give you the answers. I'll give you the cheat code. I'll give you whatever you want. I'm going to get mine. You, I want you to get yours. Um, but it is it is great to, to reach out to people and figure out how to get to where they got to um, because the best mentors are always going to give out advice and give out help. So if yep. you can find somebody in your field that you think is going to help you get to that point, by all means do so because why not take that shortcut?
1: Mm-hmm. Randy?
0: Randy?
1: Yeah, definitely. For me, for me uh, my go-to person has been Louis, Brooklyn Boynitz, uh mm-hmm. just again, because of the similarity of obviously being male and Latino in this in this industry. Um, but I think there's like Louis said, there's every there's a lot of people who are more than willing to kind of share, you know, their gems and their their secrets of success with anyone new that's starting out like Louis being one person who who I've looked up to. Like we've crossed paths in events without even knowing each other before this. Um, so I think having those people that you can latch on to here and there in their own given expertise because i'm there's things that you know louie may never knit in his life i may never paint in my life but there's similarities where we kind of like parallel that for example like content or whatever um that i, I might reach out to Louis, but when it comes to something else i might reach out to something else so to someone else so i guess it's just being being centered enough where you keep your your options open yes. um but for me it's it's really been Kind of like a, a sancocho of of mentors and yeah. influences and and things yeah, like that. So the D-
2: Dominican
0: influence, yeah, bro. sancocho. So, and when <laughs> when him. people ask for mentors, let me let me bring this up because some people be wild sometimes, right? Oh, tell me, tell me. Like, yo, What's I your had, pet peeve? I mean, I had somebody hit me up and like send me a picture of their painting to to critique it and like give give me their advice or give them my advice. But if you had to come correct, you know what I'm saying? Like if you know you're going to reach out to somebody that's doing has a career in art or professional whatever it is you know they're busy you know what i'm saying approach them a certain way and always try to provide value for that person rather than take you want to Mm. give more than you take so if somebody comes to me and says you know what let's hang out i want to give you this and this and that or give you some advice on what i think you should do whatever it is try to always give more than you can take because i'm busy everybody else is busy too so the more you ask 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 you might not get what you want always think about giving first before you ask to take
3: okay and since we're on this subject, let's bring up uh Gary V. Okay, let's bring him up. Who, who is this, this,
0: this male that uh that you're a fanboy for? Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a super fanboy you because he he's one of the main reasons why I'm like in this business. He's one of the reasons, not the main reasons. The main reason is probably myself and my mother, but he's helped my career. He's helped me um, from afar. He's helped me build my business savvy and, and educate myself on how to run a business and tactics. But most importantly, he featured me in his book, uh, Crushing It, in 2016, 17, I think it was, or 2018. Yep. Um, I'll tell you guys how that went about. So in 2009, he wrote a book called Crushing It, or Crushed It, Crush It, one of those. He wrote a book called Crush It in 2009, and that was Crush. he was talking about... Um, using social media to build a business, right? A business around your passion. So I read that book when I was teaching, and I said, you know what? I'm going to take what I do as art. I'm going to take that and turn it into paint and sip classes. And I'll use Instagram to kind of promote my business. So from his tactics in that book, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of this next paint product I do for free. I did the paint party for free at my college. I'm going to take a picture, post it on IG, and hopefully somebody sees it and they book me for a class. So that was a tactic I got from his book. So I took the tactic, I did it, and a month later I got a call to get a to get book for a class of like 15 people. After that I turned to 30 people, 30 turned to 45, 60, whatever. So I really blew up. Um, two years later he put out a video on YouTube asking if anybody that had read the first book was inspired by it to send him an email explaining how the story or how the business was inspired by his tactics. So. I saw the YouTube video at like six in the morning. I was working out before I went to work. And I was about to send the email, and then I said, you know what, fuck this. Like, he's already got a million followers. He's not gonna read this shit. It's probably fake, whatever. I didn't send it. So I got ready to go to work. I took a shower at ate. I had like 10 minutes before I was gonna leave the work. I said, you know what, fuck it, let me just take the shot. So I wrote the email literally in like 30 seconds. Banged it out, sent it. Never thought about it again. Eight months later, I get an email from some lady. Hi, my name is this, Is Ned. I'm representative Gary Vaynerchuk. We're writing this book. You sent him an email. We want to feature your excerpt in the book. Wow. I saw the email. I'm like, nah, shut the fuck up. <laughs>
2: Spam. <laughs> like, yeah, Spam.
0: Low-key was Ever. about to delete it. But... Remember,
3: guys, you <laughs> miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Facts. Who said that? Not me.
1: Didn't Jordan say that?
2: No, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. It <laughs> true facts. Okay. So um... Jordan
0: uh, copied him. So I was about to delete it, and I'm, I Google her name. I'm like, yo, she got to be a spammer or some shit. Somebody's trying to get me. I thought it was one of my boys. I'm like, yeah, Catfish. they trying to fucking get me. <laughs> so I looked her up on Google, and then I LinkedIn, and she was actually a, a book editor. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is about to This is really about to be to real. So I responded, and she was like, okay, great, thanks. We'll let you know if your book, if your excerpt gets selected. Like, two weeks later, she hit me back. She was like, oh, congratulations. We're going to feature you in the book. Uh, Sign this disclaimer. You can't say anything until the book comes out in January. Uh, we're gonna send you a signed copy, and that was it. That's sick. And I was like, "What's oh, Z- beautiful?" Fuck. I'm about to That's be amazing. in this guy's book. Look at that. I get the book. Next day, three thousand followers. Blah, 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 blah. People wow. hit me up from everywhere, Africa. Till this day, people hit me up from everywhere. They thought, oh my god, I'm so inspired by your excerpt in the book. I'm an artist. I'm a teacher. You know, I just really appreciate what you said and what you do. So it's been it's been a real real. Real dope experience That's, that's, that's awesome That's awesome yeah.
3: so, so, so Would you say that You guys main focus To drive your businesses Is Social media
0: uh, Yeah Up until this point It has been And I'm glad you asked that question Because this year I'm going to really take The time and energy To separate myself from that um, And the reason being Is because I think People rely too much On social media mm-hmm. um, And it's It's not something That you own I, I always tell people To open up a website Have an email account and try to drive people towards your newsletter or your mm. website. Yep, use right. Instagram as a funnel or a publicity to drive people to you, the stuff that you own. Because right. yep. Instagram, social media, whatever a- account you have could die tomorrow or get hacked or whatever it is. And you don't own it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So always use it to your advantage. Don't depend on it. And I, I found myself a little bit too dependent on it. Mm-hmm. So this next year, I'm going to spend a lot of time and energy trying to... Make it just, you know, plan B
2: and make wow, plan A my awesome. own awesome website. Look at those website. advice right. and tips. Hey. Look at that. You usually pay for that stuff.
1: Not for me. Definitely social media. Uh, I'm relying too much on Instagram. I have a Facebook. I don't really post on it much. Um, I want to kind of dive into Twitter, but I'm not sure if there'd be that much of a following for a knitting page on Twitter. Uh, my next thing to tackle is uh, Twitter. YouTube tutorials and things like that I mean, that if, I, if, if I was you, I would just create
3: the Twitter, have it, and just start slow. Just see yeah, any content is good content. That's
1: fine. I heard Louis right. Blocker you told said you that. that. I Louis Blocker said that.
0: Blocker well, original quotes. <laughs> that's another. <number>. We just <laughs> dropped a dime. That's a Blocker original, that one. Yo, open up every social media dropping account down. on it's the face dying. of the earth. If my phone wasn't
1: dying, then I would I would have opened it right now. free
0: publicity, free content, free marketing. There's no reason why you should not have a link LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram.
2: yeah guys all right so we're wrapping this up right now so you guys have any final comments that you want to say any shows or anything that's coming up that you guys want to let the fans know about or uh anywhere to follow you guys on ig or twitter or anything give them your handle so they can follow you guys and catch up or ask you guys questions louis uh sure
0: you guys can reach out to me on facebook instagram linkedin twitter instagram is my most active at louis blocker you guys have any advice, entrepreneurship, or you need any advice, entrepreneurship, artistry, any kind of advice, period, I'm always here to help you guys out. I'll send you whatever information I can when I can. And, uh, yeah.
1: Uh, for me, guys, you can find me on Instagram at itsknit.life. Uh, you can also visit my website at www.itsknit.life. Um, again, YouTube and Twitter, hopefully very, very soon. A lot more content. Uh, but for right now, that's kind of where you can find me. And guys, I want to thank you guys for showing up, coming out here, and uh,
3: coming to the hated truth. And that's it, guys. Hate it. Hate it.
2: And uh, if you want to know how to turn $40 to $400 in a week, you put $40 worth of gas in your car and you take your ass to work. (laughs) Yay!